Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert. We're your hosts from the Draft Network, and it's good to be back with everyone as the 2022 NFL Draft approaches. We are knocking on the doorstep, and we've got a lot to get into today to talk about some of those teams that have a little more pressure than the others to make it count, right, to get it right this time around. Kyle, what's going on, dude? It cannot be here soon enough. As far as I'm concerned, the 2022 NFL draft, we always know the back half of April is draft fatigue, right? And and we talked about that on the show last week as far as, man, how do you, how do you manage this time in which you're, you're desperate for new talking points and new information, but it just doesn't exist. And uh, this draft, I'm very excited to be here not only to avoid draft fatigue, but also for the sake of uh, getting finality on where these players are going to go. And we gain a better appreciation every year of landing spot and fit and how the pieces of the puzzle fit together. And I think that's a part of what we're going to be planning to talk about today as it pertains to teams who, for various reasons, have pressure to knock this draft out of the park. You know, Kyle, one thing that, I think we've all realized over the last couple of weeks in something you said recently on the podcast is we know everything we're going to know about these players. And with that in mind, it allows us to shift our focus more towards the team side of things and really start to examine their needs, what they've gotten done so far this off season and allow that to shape our perspective as to what the teams are actually going to do at the end of the month. And so I have enjoyed that transition from, all right, we're, we're fully embraced in the prospect side of things. And now it's okay. Well, where do these prospects fit? What do these teams need? What have they gotten done and what do they still need to do? And that'll give us what we need to predict what is going to happen at the end of the month. So I'm excited to talk about those teams today that have a lot of pressure to get it right in April. So with that in mind, guys, I came to you earlier in the week and I said, you know what we should do for a show? We should list some teams that we think have some pressure on them in the NFL draft and deep dive into these teams and have this conversation. So I'll set the te- the table here for you. I'll throw a team out there that I thought of when coming up with this topic and maybe we'll, we'll see where that spirals throughout the remainder of the show. But when I think of teams and... I think it's important to define what we what we mean by pressure in this case, right? And, and I think in this in the context of the NFL draft, it's teams that need to add talent to their rosters almost immediately in one way or another. They're either a Super Bowl contender or they're a young team on the rise that needs to get talent in the building. These are not teams that are kind of in the middle and have the luxury of going whatever direction they want. So when I think of pressure in the NFL draft, the Green Bay Packers are the team that comes to mind almost right away for me. And that is because they sign Aaron Rodgers to a long-term contract for the next three, four seasons to give themselves another window with one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And then they trade Devontae Adams and get another first-round pick. So this is a team that has two first-round picks, 
They have their aging quarterback in one more window to try to win another Super Bowl with him. And they got a lot of needs because they needed another wide receiver when they had Devontae Adams on the roster. They now trade Devontae Adams away. They need to surround Rodgers with more talent offensively. And I think this is a make-or-break year to see whether or not they're going to be able to win uh, in the NFC with Rodgers moving forward. Well, they have picks 22, 28, 53, 59, and 92. And so I think this is a really good blend of, hey, we need to make this count because we have a lot of draft capital with we have a quarterback that, is playing at a high level, you know, consecutive MVP awards, but the clock is ticking and you feel like you have to seize this opportunity because right now it feels like Aaron Rodgers' legacy is good regular season quarterback. Congrats on the one Super Bowl win, but you're not in the Tom Brady conversation because you haven't had the same levels of success in the postseason and ultimately the Super Bowl. And, and I think it's interesting that they're going to have to rely on young players to come in and fill major roles to give Aaron Rodgers what he needs in the supporting cast. And I'm guessing their best opportunity to get that done is by using this draft capital to get younger and deeper. And hopefully that doesn't come up, come with too much of a production drop off. Yeah. Anytime you have a late stage quarterback in the still playing at a high level, trading his best receiver, you've uh, you've identified some low-hanging fruit for a team who needs to get it right. Right now, I guess the good news for Green Bay is, Joe, what would you say the two most pressing primary positions of need are for Green Bay as things currently stand? I'd say wide receiver and front seven in some way. What are the two of the best <laughs> right. position groups in this year's draft? <laughs> That, right. So I mean, they're they're going to get a good player at both of those picks in the first round, and I would expect the priority at twenty two to be wide receiver, right? Because if you if you play the game and you pass on wide receiver at twenty two, and you're like, well, we'll just take who's the, the, whoever's there at twenty eight. I mean, you are opening the door for a lot of wide receiver hungry teams. Be that Arizona or Buffalo, or Tennessee, or even a team that that sits behind you that might want to jump in, in front of you, like Kansas City. Like, you just open the door for so much chaos, and then that's how you end up drafting Christian Watson in the first round. There's nothing wrong with Christian mm-hmm. Watson as a prospect, but if that's the player that you're going to draft to get things right and get a high-volume contributor immediately on your roster, I think maybe you've done yourself a little disservice for year one, and I think Christian Watson's going to be a good pro, but I don't think that's the acceptable top addition to your wide receiver room. So if I'm Green Bay and I want to get the draft right this year because I need to give Aaron Rodgers everything he needs to compete and, and make the most of the Super Bowl window, for me that starts and ends with a wide receiver 22. Not to take this conversation away from Green Bay, but I'm curious how you guys foil this conversation as it relates to Green Bay, who has a major need at wide receiver and has multiple first-round picks who traded away Devontae Adams against the Kansas City Chiefs, who also have multiple first-round picks, 
who traded away their best wide receiver, you know, and they sit here in this AFC West that suddenly has a lot more competition than they've faced in recent years. We're talking about the Chiefs have, have won the last six AFC West championships. And so is it as simple as Patrick Mahomes is way younger than Aaron Rodgers, and so therefore we don't feel the same level of urgency, but I have a hard time seeing what receiver is realistically going to be there in the, you know, really the end of the first round. The Kansas City Chiefs are picking 29 and 30, right? This isn't 22. I think that, and Kyle, you already mentioned the landmines between where Green Bay picks with their first pick and where they pick in their second pick. I, I mean, it's crazy for me to think that they're going to find a real target that they want at 29 or 30 to come in and replace Tyreek Hill or, or even close to it, and which in turn I think reduces your ability to get Travis Kelsey going. So there's a lot of dominoes that, that fall because of Hill no longer being part of that offense. And so I'm curious, how do you guys compare those situations? And is it as simple as, well, Patrick Mahomes is younger? Let me, let me answer that with this. I'm going to recite some numbers for you. 29, 30, 50, 62, 94, 103. This team has six picks in the first three rounds. And if you're picking at 29 as your first pick, you know what I'm doing? Trading. I don't need six play I don't need six players in the top 100. <laughs> I'm going to go get a really good one even if it costs me two extra picks along the way as top 100 draft selections and I'd be really aggressive to try to find an opportunity to go get Joe to your point. Go get Chris Olave, right? Right. Go get Jamison Williams if you have faith that he's going to be available for the start of the season. Go get a Garrett Wilson. Go go get that playmaker that you have the comfortably have the ammunition to go get. And that's what winning the draft looks like for me for Kansas City. Because yes, you need you need a couple different spots on your roster. But you don't need as many picks in the top 100 as you're currently scheduled or the first three rounds as you're currently scheduled to have. And that doesn't even get into the fact that they have 121 and 135 in the fourth round. Yeah. So I agree with you that the the circumstances are different because of context and and because of the um, youth of Patrick Mahomes and this, when you traded Tyreek Hill, it was because it was a long-term play. So I get it but they've positioned themselves to have their cake and eat it too, as it pertains to getting better long-term, but getting an impactful player right away that can step in. It just isn't probably going to come at 29. So for me, Kansas city. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're another team that has that pressure on them, but their pathway to get there looks different. They got to get up in front of some teams. And and I like what you say there about trading up, because if you trade up from 29, you're not going to give up 30, most likely. You're still going to have pick 30. You could give up 29, 50, 50. and 94 and, you're, and you're still have 30, 62. Teams, yeah, dude, like it, it, that's that to me seems like the very obvious thing for Kansas City to do. Which And then trade again, back out on 30. 
Sure, if you want to, but that's better than sitting there in in picking Christian Watson. To your point, right? I would agree wholeheartedly. So, Kansas City Chiefs. I I brought them into this conversation because I thought that they are an interesting team to contrast against the Green Bay Packers. But I think another layer to that Packers conversation to kind of bring it back to Green Bay is not only do they need to maximize their opportunity to build the roster around Aaron Rodgers in his late portions of his career, but also the NFC in general, right? It is wide open and they are a team that is perceived as a contender. And so not only do you want to maximize Aaron Rodgers, but you have a ripe opportunity in the NFC to go compete and uh, get Aaron Rodgers that second championship. So this is all fine and dandy, right? We've, we've talked about two contenders uh, from each respect or a contender from each respective conference that made a decision to trade away a premium player relative to the wide receiver position and the quarterbacks that they have. But I want to take this to a different place. And uh, this is not going to be an easy job for the executive and the coach in question, but their job very much hangs in the balance, depending on what happens at the end of the month. The Carolina Panthers are a team that needs to knock the draft out of the park because if they don't have success, there's probably be go- going to be significant changes to personnel and, and leadership and direction. Now, here's the problem. The Panthers went 2-12 and 12 down the stretch last year, and they won just enough games against the Jets and Texans, which are two of the four teams picking in the first four picks in the draft, and then a win over New Orleans uh, allowed them to fuel their belief that, hey, we we can still do this. Let's give up more draft picks for 2022 to go get more players to bring into the building here and now. So they pick six off the top of your head. Chris, I know Joe will probably know it. Do you know when Carolina's next pick is after number six? Well, I know they don't have their second round pick. I think it's a fourth. Their next pick is 137. They have to wait 131 picks. <laughs> Joe, by the way, just just so everybody knows, Joe was trying to give me the hint in the and he was just doing numbers. He was just flashing numbers. I did one, I'm three, pre- a five, and a two because I only had two one hand up. I'm okay, sorry. I'm pretty sure he just did eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, right. nine. You could tell how confused I was. I was humming the song in my head. Um. So yeah, they're they're a team that has has to either get this pick right at six or needs to get the heck out of this spot. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Kyle, but when we say they have to get this pick right right at six, like they're just going to take a quarterback. Like that's the only way that Matt Rule can get himself out of this mess. Unless I have a way. Somebody else, and that that player becomes a hit, and Sam Darnold becomes a quality starter overnight. This is what I'm doing if I'm Carolina, all right? Because I can't give you a quarterback and a left tackle with pick six. And I know that we've already been told that there is mutual disinterest between Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers, which I think is absolutely crazy. They need a quarterback. They need a left tackle. Cleveland is desperate to rid themselves of Baker Mayfield. 
because that's the only way that they get out of that salary. This again, they bro. can't cut him. You're just stealing. You're they just stealing my him. idea. You're stealing what I have said on this show before. Well, I I'm full. I'm I'm here, Chris. I'm here at the point where the Carolina Panthers are crazy to not trade for Baker Mayfield. They have the most cap space in the NFL right now, thirty million dollars. Give that to Baker Mayfield. You'll you'll probably there's nothing you really have to give up to get him, like a seventh round pick or something like that. It would cost you almost nothing to add him. But you can't roll into this season with this idea that Sam Darnold's going to put it all together. And because you know what you're going to do, you're going to get fired if that's the case. And so I think that you allow cooler heads to prevail here. You can get Baker Mayfield, and then you're still going to get one of those top four tackles at six. That's how you get this thing to a point where you have a chance. And I don't think they're going to unseat Tampa, you know, in that division if they do this. But I think they have a reasonable chance at, like, making a run and having a winning record. I think that's the best chance for Matt Rule to save his job. Hear me out. Trade out a six. Take the offensive tackle early and then draft a quarterback draft a second round quarterback because realistically that second tier of quarterbacks it's better it's a better option than a baker mayfield that doesn't want to be there can i push back and you're going to flush more of dave tepper's money down the toilet <laughs> he can find it in the cushions of his couch. i understand he can but if the guy's <laughs> ticked off at the way that his his team is being run and he's looking for excuses to get mad at you and to justify going a different direction, flushing another $18 million down for another quarterback who has indicated that he probably doesn't want to play for your team is not the way I would go about doing it. Where are they trading back to in order to land the tackle? That's a very important question. There's a sweet spot that they have to land in because two tackles might already be off the board before they pick at six. And so do they do they worry about Atlanta? Do they worry about potentially Seattle? Do they worry about the Jets if the Jets don't take a tackle at four? Like there's a sweet spot that they have to hit where they might miss on all four guys. I think that's a good point. Um I think you probably have to wait until draft night to get a feel for. Here's the other thing to consider. What players do you have that might be able to net you a second-round pick to go get a quarterback? I'm just, I'm just saying, yes. Well, they have two players they could trade, but they just extended one of them, and the other one I don't think gets them a second-round pick. So, Derek Brown. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we we could legitimately do a full show on Carolina. Oh, they're a mess. Right. Talking about the yes. So I don't I don't want to exhaust the entire rest of the program time to talk about the Carolina Panthers, but I guess my pushback to the Baker Mayfield idea, Baker Mayfield is the best available option to fill your quarterback role. But I think when you take into account the entire picture, what Carolina has done to this point, the financial implications, the fact that there's reported disinterest from Mayfield and his side to want to go to Carolina, I could see that getting super toxic really quick. And with them in the hot seat that they are on, I'd probably, I'd rather have a tackle and Matt Corral than have 
Baker Mayfield for the financial discrepancy because at least Corral builds you a runway. Baker Mayfield, it's now or never. Which I think I'm comfortable with that, though. Like, it, it is now or never for this team. You can't just punt the season. If you if you pick a tackle at six and or you treat back or something and you get Charles Cross and in, in, in Matt Corral, I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than Ike Quano. Like, I, I, unless you're – to me, that's just punting away the season. You're just trying to get through the year, fire Matt right. rule, and start over. I think you're discounting the human element of – Mayfield going into that environment. That's all. No, and that's fair, Kyle, because I think that's something to consider. And and that's probably the reason why this hasn't already been done is because of that human element. But the problem that you have here is you have two conflicting ideologies. You have a general manager and a head coach that are trying to keep their job. And you have an owner who wants to build a sustainable winning franchise. And right now, I don't know if picking a quarterback at six allows both of those tracks to run simultaneously in conjunction with each other and get to the same destination. So they're kind of screwed out of the pick. Like, I, like, I don't know why they let Matt rule stay this year. It put themselves in such a bind. It's a great question. Goes back. It goes back to, you sat there and didn't trade out of that pick where you, you sat there and, uh, selected Derek Brown. Like, that was your chance to move back. And then but last wait. year, you had your chance to just draft a quarterback and you didn't do it. And now fine. here you are. But, but fine, Joe. But but ultimately, the decision that has got them in this mess right now is their decision to let Matt Rule coach this year. If at the, if, if at the end of the season, they said, they said Matt Rule's no longer our head coach, you can criticize the two things you just mentioned, but now they don't matter. It's a new regime. It's a new setup. Right. We're going in a different direction. We can take a quarterback at six. No questions asked. We're rebuilding. But because right. they now kept Matt Rule, now all of it becomes muddied waters and it just becomes a mess. You know, you, you can't rebuild a two-year rebuild. That's why. <laughs> it's a good way to put yeah, it. We're gonna, we, we took two years after we wrote our passionate letter to the fans asking them to stay patient, and, and now we're going to go back to square one. You can't do that. There's too much ego involved in that. So, of course, they're not going to do that. No matter if it is the right thing to do. Who so else? predictively, Who is Sam Darnold going to be the starting quarterback for this team next year? Yes, we did a show on this, didn't we? I think we all did. I think we all picked Sam. <laughs> but so they're just going to sit there. You're going to pick a left tackle. They're, I mean, they could just pick a quarterback there and, and put Brady Christensen at left tackle and figure out the guard spot. And then that I'm could be their plan. Myself, how how high do they need to go to draft Bernard Raymond? Right, like I, I, that's the asking question I'm asking myself right now. With what assets? Yeah, like what they're trade right trade two next to, year. What if they trade back to twenty nine with Kansas City? Yeah, or if the Saints want, they could probably get Raymond there. Right, you could get Raymond at twenty nine. You'd get fifty to get a quarterback. You get you, you probably, probably get, get an extra one, one in that kind of deal. Yeah, dude, like that's crazy yeah. stuff. Screw You're getting twenty nine and thirty potentially. Trade back twice, and in this kind of draft, I say go for it. Trade back twice. Let's manifest this. So if, if you're Kansas hits, City, would you give up 29 and 30 for six in this draft? No, here's no what you do. I'm not giving up 29 and 30. I'm giving up 29, 50 and like a pick next year. No, here's what you do. 
you, you call up your division rival. You call up the New Orleans Saints. You're like, hey, you want to come up and get a quarterback? Please, by all means, come on up. You get, you get what do they have, 16 and 19? You take those two picks, and then when 16 no. comes yeah, up, you're not gonna get that. You call up the Kansas you're City Chiefs, and you say, hey, Kansas City, you want to move up for a receiver? We'll take 29 and f- some future picks. And now you've reloaded. you got to trade back twice. I think there's a realistic chance Carolina – because what was that? Was it 2013? It was like the shaky draft class. And Miami came up from 12 to three and it cost them like two twos or three twos or something like that. So if I, if I'm Kansas city and if I'm looking for a sucker in the room, can I find that opportunity to get a, to a big aggressive jump up the board on the discount? Actually, no, I lied. That trade in 2013 was 12 and 42 for three. And I think there's some conditions around this year's class uh, where you might be able to see that kind of market for those those draft picks be slimmer than your average year, in which case, yes. I, I think that's that's your pathway for success for both teams. This is the win-win, is um, get what you can from a trade perspective, uh, but get the heck out of six if you're Carolina and then Kansas City to kind of tie a bow on both of these conversations we've had thus far. Now you're in a position to go draft wide receiver one and really get an impact player. Joe, you have to share a team, Joe. Well, I shared a well, team. I, Kyle shared a team. It's your I, turn. And, and, and look, I, I, I appreciate the dramatic effect, but I sat here and I was thinking to myself, well, Chris – when he presented this idea, he said he had like five teams in the chamber. And so I'm sitting here debating, all right, could I bring this team up or this team up? And I, I'm talking myself in and out of teams when my friend Chris Schubert is sitting here with a uh, with an entire you know arsenal of, of options. I, I'm curious of, of who you thought was. Yeah, what, what do you got for us, Chris? So a treasure trove of options. We, we talked about three of the teams that I had listed. So we've gone three for three so far. I had Carolina at one. I had Green Bay at at like a 1A. Then I also had Kansas City. I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't put my team, the New York Jets, on the list. But I wasn't going to be the one that was going to bring them up. I didn't want to do that here on the show. But they they are a team that I would consider in this spot. Certainly they have pick four and ten. And and even beyond that, a couple of early picks in the second round. the top 40, if I'm not mistaken, 35 and 38. That is correct. Yeah, so they're 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 loaded with capital. And I think anytime you're loaded with capital, you need to nail the draft. But I, I what what um prevented me from being that guy that that started the conversation about the Jets is I wondered if you know year two of Robert Sala, like this was this big pressure moment. And so I think they need to for them to take the next step as a team to build around Zach Wilson to climb out of the basement of the AFC where, you know, look, there's, it's an up, it's a large climb in my opinion to, for the jets to get in that conversation, obviously nothing more meaningful than Zach Wilson and his development. But I, I wondered, you know, like, I don't think Robert Saylor is entering a make or break year. And I, I think Zach Wilson in year two, that's what kind of moved me off of the jets, but they do have a ton of premium capital and they need to make it all count for them to, uh, you know, change, change the, the narrative there with the jets. All right. So hear me out. I got one. The Chicago Bears need to knock this draft out of the park. They traded Khalil Mack to load up on some assets. They've done next to nothing in free agency (laughs) to improve their team. You have a second-year quarterback in Justin Fields who 
desperately needs some help on both the offensive line and in his skill positions. So I think Chicago is a, a really good option when you consider they have 39, 48, 71. Those are your three picks as things currently stand to make some stuff happen. How much movement can you make with those three picks? Here's what I hate about it, Kyle, and I, I agree with you to bring up Chicago is a good idea. But we're talking about a quarterback entering his second season, and even if you were to find two starting caliber offensive linemen and one receiver, which I think would be a really good outlook for those picks, you have nothing but developing players around a developing quarterback. Like there is right. nothing that you look at on this Bears team and say, wow, that's an established veteran that's going to really allow Justin Fields to take that step, right? I mean, like, I like Darnell Mooney. Byron Pringle's a perfectly fine fourth receiver. Cole Komet has some developmental appeal at tight end, but this, this plan right now is tough for me to buy into. And it's a lot like where I fear Carolina is going to be next year if they pick a quarterback at six with that quarterback. And I don't want to bring this conversation back to the Panthers, but yeah, we're talking the about the Bears. Like it's going to be year three before Justin Fields has a chance, assuming they do some good things here in the draft and have an aggressive offseason next year. Well, no, I think that's why they have to, they have to hit this draft out of the park. Because if you don't, you have more questions, right? And then it's like, okay, we'll reshuffle the deck again. And by then, Justin's had a lot of bad habits baked into his game because he's had to compensate for what's not around him. It's like, I think if you get two quality starting offensive linemen and a quality wide receiver, you have one. You know, that, that's, that's critical for Justin Fields right now. Because the other alternative is what? Right. It's you, a, you have to do that. You have to knock your picks out of the park here in the top 100. So that becomes a fun conversation because it's like, who's going to be true to spoke? Like, who's going to be on the board for you at 30, 39? Who do you, who do you think your best case scenario player is for care or for Chicago at 39? Um, Christian Watson. David Bell, um, Sky Moore. Do these names move the needle? John Mechie, Sky George Moore Pickens. would move the needle for me. Sky Moore, Sky Moore would absolutely move the needle for me. Okay, so that would be helpful if they got him at thirty nine. But uh, all right, I'd almost argue you you would need to draft the offensive lineman first anyway. Your <laughs> offense, your projected starting offensive line right now is Tevin Jenkins. Okay, we we both like Tevin Jenkins a lot coming out of Oklahoma State, right? Mm -hmm. So he, he had the back injury and he was slow getting started. So we'll see what he looks like this year. He's a question mark at best. Think we can agree Cody Whitehair is a quality NFL offensive lineman? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Patrick uh, Lucas Patrick at center. It's Dakota more of a Dakota Dozier but... penciled in at right guard. Yikes. And Larry Borum, fifth round pick from this past year, Yikes. penciled in at right tackle. Save Justin Fields. Free him, please. Like, you need here's here's what I would do. I would try to draft a left guard and a right tackle. I would draft Daniel Falele. 
and I would draft a left guard, and then I move Cody Whitehair to center. Dylan Parham, Ed Ingram. Oh, please draft Dylan Parham. At 39. Please draft draft Dylan Parham and draft Daniel Falele, and then draft your wide receiver at 71. So Dylan Parham, Dylan Parham 39, Daniel Falele 48, and Jalen Tolbert at 71? Yes. Tolbert's a great fit for Fields' style of play, too. Like, sign me the hell up for that. There's your blueprint. Go win the draft. But yeah, and I and I don't want to take anything away from what we just put together because it's very exciting, but we're talking about three rookies to go with your second year quarterback. Right. I mean it's a world the Bears live in some, right now, I guess. You've with seen some impactful staff. rookies. You've seen some impactful rookie classes where guys just come in and kill it. Now, that's the most utopian uh best case scenario for Chicago, but it's all you have to hang your hat on right now to get to where you need to be. I've got another team, if we want one more team to talk about on the show today. Sure, give us another one. This is not going to surprise Joe. It may surprise Kyle a little bit. The New England Patriots have to be on this list. Oh, Teams that have pressure in the draft. They They pick 21, (laughs) 54, and 85 inside the top 100. But you think of the coaching turnover that has happened with their offensive staff, the entering of year two of Mac Jones, what they have not done in free agency, what they've lost in free agency. This is a team that needs to get young talent that can make an immediate impact at certain key positions. And I think it would be it would be bad of us if we did not at least mention them here. So do we do we want to do this right now? Because we did this on for TDN on one of our staff calls recently for our, our draft prep. We did. We did we did the Patriots. Do we want to do this right now? Can I get a commitment from you guys, yes or no? You yeah. can get a commitment. Yeah, You're man. on a bit of a I'm time in. crunch, but you have the commitment from me, yes. Okay. Uh, your key additions for the New England Patriots, Jabril Peppers, Ty Montgomery, Terrence Mitchell, Max, uh, Mac Wilson, Devontae Parker. Key subtractions, starting offensive lineman Ted Karras, Chase Winovich, starting offensive lineman Shaq Mason, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, J.C. Jackson, your fullback Jacob Johnson, uh, your return specialist Gunnar Olszewski. Uh, also departed, not signed elsewhere. Uh, effectively, your entire starting linebacker core in Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy. You have $1.9 million in cap space. <laughs> and you got, you got a bunch of dudes that are on expiring contracts after this upcoming year. Hello? In yeah. trouble. Joe, I asked you the question on the meeting, and I ask you again. Name one position group other than the wide receiver room that the New England Patriots are better now than what they were before. There isn't one. And and even when you bring up wide receiver, Devontae Parker doesn't change the dynamics of that room. They have that player. They've got four I, I, that's not what I envisioned what they needed to elevate their offense and give Mac Jones better spacing to throw the football. Like this team is in trouble in in a lot of ways. I, I just don't I don't know what difference makers exist on this roster. And they lost, I think, their best two players in Shaq Mason and JC Jackson. Year two of Mac Jones. Here you go, bud. And oh, by the way, Josh McDaniel's no longer in the building. Have not replaced him. 
it it's a huge please I, okay, I've, Chris, I've done this go with ahead, Joe go Matt ahead and tell Pat- me that Matt Patricia is part of their offensive staff okay Kyle and so is Joe Judge okay, exactly so please they they have coaches in the room they just don't have a coordinator please somebody will call plays right they'll be fine have a call sheet. Just pick one. It's and cool. this is assu- like this is assuming that Mac Jones can build off of what he did in his rookie season, and and then you've baked in all of this other stuff that we're talking about. Well, but that's the concern with Mac Jones, right? The concern with Mac Jones has always been the floor is very high, but what's the ceiling? How much better of a player are you going to get for Mac Jones versus what he was this past year? Would you say the floor is high or the floor is defined? Oh, see, you're you're gonna take it to a slanderous place here. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think we when you say high floor, I think okay, this is a high floor player. This is gonna be a solid starter. I think I, when I, think, I say I think I, it's identifiable. Mac Jones can be anything. a perfectly fine starting quarterback in the NFL in the same degree in which Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo are. Like that's that's the Mac Jones ceiling for me. I but I don't think you're going to get a lot of high variance, a lot of negative plays and all that kind of stuff. I just, as that team, and I know it was his rookie season, as that team became more reliant on Mac Jones and as teams took away the run game or they found themselves in deficits and Mac Jones had to be the offense, like it didn't go well. And part of that is because he was a rookie, but the, the talent around him in terms of receivers wasn't there. And they've lost a lot of the ingredients that have has made that rushing attack very, very effective. I just, man, I don't know how you look at this AFC landscape and feel like the new England Patriots are going to be a repeat playoff team. I don't know how you look at the AFC East landscape and say that this is the second best team in the division. Like if you're Miami, you have to be thinking we're in a really good spot to jump new England and really at least compete with Buffalo. So, Especially considering the recent historical data between those two teams, too, already. So, fellas, as we close, any lightning round submissions that uh, you think is worthy of bringing up? I'll, I'll toss one out. New Orleans Saints, they like this draft class, evidently, because they've given up future draft picks to have more picks this year in the first round. And in year one of Dennis Allen post Sean Payton picking 16 and 19, I think that you – told us that you have a vision and a plan for those picks. I think you have to execute that and find a couple of players that can help you win with Jameis Winston and and set the foundation for the next era of Saints football. How about the Arizona Cardinals as a team who started out really hot last year? They got ice cold down the stretch. You can kind of feel the tension in the air, if you will, down there in in Phoenix as far as uh, some hostilities with – uh, the way things ended last year between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals organization. And I think they're a team that would certainly benefit from reintroducing some talent to the wide receiver room, uh, potentially doubling down on what you have from a um, offensive line and, and offensive talent perspective, but then also probably got to get a pass rusher to replace Chandler Jones too. So, I mean, I, I look at Arizona, I think they're a team that because of the drama that this team has kind of, found themselves in based on the close to last year, uh, things could get pretty toxic pretty quickly unless they they make some hits here in the draft. 
I'd like to nominate the Tennessee Titans really quickly as a team. Um, 26, and then they don't pick in the second round. They don't pick until 90. This is a team that won 12 games a year ago. The Julio Jones experiment didn't work out the way that they wanted to. They need to get some help Shocker. to the wide receiver room. Uh, they have a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill that I don't know how many more years you have with this window with him trying to make it to a Super Bowl and make a run. So I think they're a team that is under pressure to come away with a good class that can that can help continue the foundation that they've built here uh, in Tennessee, but yeah, they're a team that I would nominate. I don't think. Do they not uh, have something... that second round? I was say, do. do they not have that second round pick as part of the Julio Jones trade? Like, because that's a killer. <laughs> Joe, that's exactly <laughs> why they don't you. have the second round. Oh pick. my it, was, it, it belongs to the Atlanta Falcons because of the uh, Julio Jones trade. Hold on, they got Robert Woods, who I like a lot. That's true. That's now. True. I I think I think the Roger Saffold departure hurts them a lot too as another one, but hopefully you aren't hurting for more draft dudes. Uh, but if you are Monday through Friday, we got the podcast as well as reaching you on the airwaves. Uh, we thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of draft dudes. We really enjoyed this uh, look at which teams in the NFL have to knock the 2022 NFL draft out of the park. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.